It's a thousand one LA nights, LA rivers with you and yet another podcast episode. I wasn't going to do another one um, until later next week, but today is the women's March and um, I have some thoughts on it. There's, there's this interesting discourse that happens in real life and online. And I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago after some experiences I had and um uh, I don't know if I've talked about this at all here on the podcast, but I am approaching my 50th year. That's right. I uh, was born 50 years ago this July coming, and I've seen some things change. We were making some headway as women, but there's a lot of old thoughts. There's the old paradigm and there's pushback and there's a lot of fragility running around people saying well you're discriminating against me because you're saying i'm discriminating against you and all sorts of bullshit um things change things need to change we don't want things to stay the same for all of you who write fantasy and love love a lot of the medieval worlds well on one hand it was good but if you were the king you know, or you were nobility, it could be good, but if you were male and nobility, often if you were female, you, you, it wasn't as great. Um, you know, it, it, we complain about certain societies, but a lot of that old thinking has been plugged into the modern society and we call it normal. It's not normal. It's what's we, it's only normal because it's what we know. And I believe in, in, um, in the human ability, of course, I live in America, so I'm going to say I believe in the American ability, but it goes for all humans, to adapt and innovate and change. And as a young woman, um, I had a lot of anger towards misogyny and a lot of rage because, you know, um, when I first graduated from college, I was in England and I actually started looking for a job about six months before graduation. I was proactive, I was planning. Um, I did my bachelor's degree in two and a half years, overloaded myself on credits, just about burned my brains out, worked three jobs just to make ends meet. And so I'd go for these jobs that I was qualified for. And um, it happened five times, five different interviews where I would sit and wait and wait and finally I'd be the last one sitting there and a man, an older man usually would be coming out of an office where they were doing the interviews and say, Mr. Rivers and look around with a curious look on his face. And I stood up and said, Ms. Rivers. And finally, uh, one gentleman was at least honest and said, we're not hiring women today. And I said, excuse me. Why did I get the interview? And they said, well, Lori's a man's name. And in England, it is. In America, it's not. And talk about, I was 20, turning 21. And it just floored me. You know, I had heard my grandmother's stories and my great aunt's stories. And here I was experiencing the same damn thing they had as they started their careers. And so it, we don't get told these things expressly, but it happens in a million other ways and people say well quotas aren't good because you know that's discriminatory and on one hand you could say it is but on the other hand when incompetent men are hired and allowed to hold position and their incompetence is excused 
and women or other minorities aren't given that same opportunity to be just as incompetent. That's always my argument, um, mostly out of humor. But when you have women who are, or minorities who are working twice as hard, producing results, getting results, and not moving forward or not getting jobs or what have you, um, it's, it's easy to be angry. It's easy to be angry, but angry doesn't, it isn't enough. And that's why I want to read to you the blog post that I wrote um, called Rage Isn't Enough for Women. And I'm not saying don't be angry, but there's things we have to do about it. You can feel the feelings and then find inspired action and do that. So without further ado, we're going to take a little break from stories to tell a true life story called Rage Isn't Enough for Women. reading is called Rage Isn't Enough for Women by L.A. Rivers from 1001LANights.wordpress.com. It was posted on December 12th, 2008. Rage isn't enough for women, nor is outrage for that matter. For the past two weeks, the opportunity before me has been how to stand in my personal power and be left unscathed by personal deep-seated emotional tripwires. As a young woman, I was fueled by rage rooted in the knowledge that because I am feminine and female, I must master the art of being above reproach, retain eloquence of speech in the face of egregious acts, both verbal and psychological, while fending off physical advances by men, both known and unknown. It was exhausting, sometimes terrifying, often causing lonely stretches of voluntary isolation. Becoming a mother created a new set of circumstances, becoming a role, an ideal, a performer of care, and the rage fermented into resentment. Oh, not at my offspring. Rather, resenting a world and those individuals who blindly followed social norms and beliefs that now, as mother, my life was not my own. My children were my joy and creative masterpieces in the unfolding. My life, however, seemed spent like blood dripping from the yanked out heart of a human sacrifice. Strike the human part. I wasn't seen as human. I was mother and wife. My hopes and dreams dismissed in phrases such as, you chose to have children, and you'll have your turn. By my youngest's 18th year, it became obvious my turn would never come unless I took it. In taking my turn, I was considered brash, irresponsible, selfish, and of course, a bitch. I fought the internal demons planted in my subconscious to be a virtual woman, virtuous woman free of the criticism that wanting individual experience was wrong, silencing a chorus of dissent steeped in myths that made being female a de facto weapon of sin. That war began four years ago this month, Battles were waged in increments, often involving as much subterfuge as any great intelligence operation of opposing world powers. 
tackling multiple fronts one at a time, taking and winning the ground of my existence with surety of purpose, occasionally falling back, retreating into self-loathing, for I was once again the standard bearer of a fallen woman, fallen from the tower made to keep me compliant as homemaker, where all were succored and nurtured, saving me, who wordlessly slaved to ensure happiness abounded while waiting my turn. The guilt, doubt, shame, and terror of being unattached and unowned was mind-blowing in scale. Two years ago, I charged forth and decided it was better to die free, unfettered, than to remain prisoner of, un- of acceptable social norms. One year ago, full freedom granted, so I wandered following my feeling of freedom, finding peace in self-reliance, resentment slowly being leached from my spleen and bones, Rage quelled and soothed, blood pressure back to reasonable levels, life fully held in hands that mattered, my own. I stayed somewhat to myself, exploring vast expanses of the western U.S., working remotely and enjoying the mundane details of life, such as bills in my name, and being able to eat whatever I wanted without having to share. A delight to this woman who had spent almost the entirety of her adult life as someone's wife. Owning the little experiences, mistakes, claiming space, taking up all the space I wanted when I wanted and how I wanted. A year of settling into me, my name, allowing myself to have hopes, dreams, and aspirations of my own again, finding that the dreams of youth were either no longer valid or what I wanted anymore. Discovering old passions still had flickering tinders ready to be breathed into flames. A year of not caring about the opinions of others, including family, and certainly not those of strangers. When the novelty of self-discovery waned, my space claimed and settled, I chose to re-engage with the world. Wanting to meet people and live in community, I took a job at a gallery of a semi-successful artist. He hired me without a resume, which I thought odd, as I'd only gone in to inquire about the position. On my first day of training, I was informed that there was a dress code. Women were required to wear skirts or dresses. In the year 2018, I found that shocking, but decided that it was something I could let slide. Yet when I read the book on art sales, published in the early 1990s, it all became clear. At the back of the book was a study conducted by some U.S. executives about women and professional attire. It claimed that women who wore slacks were seen as using sex or were hypersexual. My eyebrows raised. I was a young executive in 1990, before my first marriage. I wore slacks and never encountered such an attitude, but then again, I was overseas. My grandmother wore nice slacks and blazers as a manager of a state agency in my teens. She was the epitome of professionalism. Intuition began ringing warning bells. That was just a few weeks ago. I started paying close attention to the attitudes of my employer. Left to attend the gallery alone on my shift as the artist overextended overextended himself by opening a second gallery before he had capital to run the two locations and assets to sell, I was faced with no traffic walking into the gallery. He seemed to not believe me, so I created a tracking sheet to account for the days of not one single person walking in the door or the day there were two people browsing the art on the walls. When I asked questions, he was derisive and dismissive, so I stopped speaking. I began to look for other employment. I knew this was an odd arrangement. A call from a grown child came. 
tears and heartbreak <clears throat> tears and heartbreak from the loss of a beloved elder connected to a significant other i spoke to child and their beloved and joined in their grief they needed my presence and didn't ask for it i offered to come to them a several day drive for me i was planning on quitting anyway but didn't want to leave the artist in a lurch good girl programming still at play the community was not to be found in the small town of Sedona where most people are living out the end of their days or healing from past wounds in this life or some other. When I, sp- <clears throat> when I spoke to the artist about needing to leave for the beloveds had no other support, he laughed. Later in the day, he berated me for not asking questions. I countered him with his own past actions. He accused me of lack of sales. I pointed to the traffic sheet. I kept my business acumen to myself. He wasn't going to hear it anyway. I smiled dangerously and felt that old rage winding up, but knew it wouldn't serve me. You see, I climbed out of my former chains by creating businesses from no capital and slowly but surely increasing my income to buy my freedom. I never told him that I was a business developer and project manager. I was taking a sales job to meet people. I kept my knowledge to myself stayed quiet until he accused me of sexualizing a painting that showed unity between masculine and feminine. My inner goddess erupted, not in rage. Voice raised in calm, loud surety of truth that such a concept was basic metaphysics, and I would accept no shaming or accusations. The next day, I could not rouse myself out of bed. I needed to go where my heart called, and I could not stomach being in the presence of yet another metaphysical fraud claiming mastery while being so entrenched in a culture of misogyny. Yet those old voices were crowding for clemency, crowing for clemency. After all, what if he closed down? What about his dream? Silencing these pleas for pity and to be the bigger person, the simple question rang true in the cacophonous mental fray. What do you want? When with clarity comes decision, bags were packed in minutes, fridge emptied into a cooler, and gallery key removed from its chain. I raced out with my dog in tow, handed the key to another poorly placed shop owned by the artist, and headed off on the several days drive to where my heart called, my only words being, I quit. When once arrived to heart's destination, greetings abounded, hugs and grieving ensued, and future spoken, ter- and future spoken in terms of respect, grace, and ease, a beautiful experience to be fully human, seen for all the complexities of a life lived and more life to experience. A few days later, the phone rang. My best friend and business partner worried and scared, trying to remove a male tenant from her home. I stayed on the line and coached her through the process of what to say in the middle, in the face of a middle-aged man having a toddler-like tantrum. She had community with her, yet even in the face of reason, he refused to be reasonable, whining and mewling to be heard, making unfounded accusations and refusing to accept he was no longer welcome. Hearing his demands made my blood boil. Why does he believe his no means more than yours? I asked my business partner on the phone angrily. Listening to the scene, I could hear gentle male voices encouraging him to stand down, soothing and staying firm. I allowed outrage to quell and the sensation of gratitude for men who get it to bloom. 
They weren't there to rescue my business partner. They were there to support her wishes, as were the other women. It was old paradigm juxtaposed against the new, focus on that new space of reason, partnership, healthy discourse, and firm boundaries. Yes, that felt so much better than my old friend, Rage. That night, my friend called uncertain about going to court, that good girl programming in play. We chatted about what it means to have safe boundaries, to own your space, and to claim sovereignty while allowing others the freedom of consequence. We talked about not wanting our rage to rule us. We're middle-aged and spent years embittered in our own ways. We want our power, sense of self, and personal sovereignty intact. Rage is a step. Outrage shines light on the issue, but there's so much more to be experienced in living a life. Action. Not accepting excuses, refusing to bend or break in the face of cultural accusations of the sin of being born a woman, choosing self, taking risks, standing adamant in our truth, being willing to dive deep and excavate what is actual truth versus the programming of thousands of years of misinformation masquerading as divine doctrine. This is what's needed as a next step. As I approach my 50th year, my strongest intent is to continue my life course-free and unfettered from old bonds of rage, just taking massive action, not caring about reputation and refusing to give way in the face of socially acceptable ridiculousness. The end of this two-week view into the rise of intolerable misogyny was a call from a young woman I mentored through her graduate studies. She asked if I would train her on various communication techniques I use as a consultant and and instructor. I could use a good post-grad program in badassery, and you're the only one I could think of who could teach it. I smiled at her request. I'm a transparent mentor, sharing vulnerability and hard-won life lessons. Badassery includes owning failures and learning curves. I felt blessed she wanted more, and saw that more in me. That's what's needed, more than rage, willing strategic support, building networks, creating a system for repair for women and the men who choose to step off the old paradigm of superiority and privilege. Postscript. I was just going to write fiction, short stories, and leave behind a 15-year career of business and personal development. After the last two weeks, I think maybe letting my feminist flag fly freely may be the best thing I can do. just a an extra postscript on that do I believe all men are like this no oh my god no but there's a lot there's a lot um I see it in young men I see it in older men um this idea that it's all men's fault I hear that argument oh feminists say it's all my fault no no don't take it personally it's not your fault you know hey the churches were saying it's women's fault for bringing in sin every single woman because of eve Okay, and that got brought into the cultural beliefs 
And so that's why we have victim blaming. What was she wearing? What was she doing? Blah, blah, blah. Instead of blaming the people who sexually harass or, or what have you. Um, it doesn't mean that women don't commit acts of violence or are egregious, but that's not the discussion we're having. We're talking about the imbalance and it hurts men too. It hurts men too. How many men have to suffer in silence? How many men aren't allowed to express their feelings? How many men are trapped emotionally, psychologically, sexually in their bodies because of these ideals of what makes a man a man and a woman a woman? These social norms aren't healthy. They're not healthy and it needs to change. And that's why I'm saying it's one thing. It's anger, get your blood boiling. Outrage puts a spotlight on something, but then you need to take action. You know, in my case, it was quitting, quitting and just be like, screw you. I didn't even bother to say anything except I quit. Um, got to the kids, took care of what we needed to take care of. When my business partner, who I adore, she's an amazing, loving woman, and I'm listening on the phone to her trying to get somebody out who had committed an act of violence against another person in the house because she rents out rooms. Um, the, the police had actually been called. She had never had violence committed in her home before by anyone, male or female, and asked him to leave. And he didn't want to listen. He wanted to justify his behavior. He wanted to justify what he did. He did not want to accept her. No, it was her house, her house. And he took it so far as, after she did go to court, he texted her after there was a protection order in place. It's just douchebaggery. It ended up screwing him. His consequences were on him. It was the night before she went to court that I wrote this. And she was thinking, I really shouldn't go to court. You know, I don't want to ruin things for him and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, then maybe he should have thought about that. You're not being a bitch by holding somebody accountable. You're not being an asshole for holding somebody accountable. So on this day of the Women's March, and I think marching can be a great way to point out problems and and give a light on things, but make an action plan. Find a way to do something about something. Don't just sit there being angry and paralyzing yourself in the rage because at the end of the day, it does eat you up. I know it. And it'll fester into resentment and that eats you up. It doesn't do any good. And there are good men out there. I've seen plenty who don't tell you to wait your turn or don't see you as inhuman or don't objectify you. And we, we all objectify. We've all been trained to. But there are good, conscious human beings. And... I would like to celebrate them. That's what felt good in that moment. If you listened all the way to the end, that's what felt good was hearing the guys not there to rescue her or be Prince Charming or the guy in the white hat. They were merely saying, okay, Kirsten, what do you want? Okay, what do you want to have happen? Okay, and then saying to him, "This, did you hear her? This is what she said. And so that to me, is just absolute beautiful masculinity working with beautiful femininity no one's saying for men not to be men we're asking them to rise up and be the best men they can be like women can be the best women they can be when they're not 
so angry and there's nothing wrong with that anger by the way that they can't function because it's happened again and again after a while you begin to feel like Charlie Brown and Lucy and Lucy shanking the ball happens enough you get really really frustrated and for most women it is a lifetime of the ball being snatched away so if you're a woman listening to this be angry but as a good friend of mine who used to organize things uh was a community organizer in the 60s and 70s he would always say don't get mad get organized take action steps be proactive and don't worry about what they call you because yes they will call you a bitch yes they will say you're irresponsible yes they will say you're just in it for ego let them let them let them say what they want to say it's just words take action anyway do it anyway I write a lot about these types of things on my blog at 1001lanights.wordpress.com and in my stories. Um, I don't write like my speeches or, or my declarations like I've just done. I write it into the characters themselves. And instead of writing, you know, bad guy, good guy stuff, I'm writing stories that show healthy relationships, healthy communications. And the antagonist tends to be situational um, or just a person who doesn't get it or whatever. But it, it's it's not in lectures. It's just shown through action and shown through um, behaviors. And, and that's something I like. So in the fairy tale for Grown Up, I'm really writing this amazing world where people well, are equal. And it doesn't, it, there's no, you know, some people are better at some things. Some people are better at others. And the crap that happens, it tends to be mishaps or uh, communication misunderstandings or occasionally somebody just doesn't get it and it's just mean but it's not kind of a societal norm it's enough for people to go uh that's not cool you know so it's fun to write that and keep it still interesting I, I, it's my goal to show that we can be at a higher level of consciousness and still have interesting lives anyway i'm la rivers and i'm off to record some audiobooks talk to you later Thank you.